All right, I hope that woke us up. <laughs> uh, thank God for the redemption that we have in Jesus. All right, uh, please stand with me. I will uh, read uh, two passages of scripture that's uh, really familiar uh, regarding honoring our parents. All right, first is found in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Then also it's reiterated in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 and 2, all right? We know that this is uh, the second part of the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. The first half is our responsibilities to God, you know, and the commandments are never obsolete, amen? They are our uh, guidelines in honoring the Lord and our fellow men. So the second half of the commandments pertain our, to our responsibilities toward our neighbor, all right? So... This is the only commandment that has a promise, built-in promise, amen? So, um, I remember, uh, if you know Lola Sising, you know, um, uh, my precious mother-in-law was able to visit her, and she just celebrated her 94th birthday, and she still looked fabulous, and she still looks uh, great, she still has uh, that, that great mind, you know, she still recognizes people, and, and I was thinking, probably, um, she was an obedient child, when she was growing up, isn't it? Because she, she lived that long, isn't it? And of course, um, you know. Oh, she has no kids. Oh, that's why probably less stress, right? Um, but she, she's very helpful and generous. And uh, you know, Sister Jay uh, grew up with her and assisted her when she was uh, still growing as a little kid. But um, amen to that because uh, I still remember my grandmother also. My uh, dad's mom, she lived to be more than 90 years old. So, you know, um, thank God for long life. Amen? And look at this promise of the Bible in Exodus 20, verse 12. Let's read it all together. Begin. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Then Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. And uh, probably uh, most of our children here, this is one of their favorite memory verse. Amen? Because our parents would like us to memorize this so we can apply it, <laughs> live it out. And um, it's a good thing to know this verse of scripture that it says that, all right, let's quote it or read it. Ephesians 6, 1 and 2 begin. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And let, continue on. That it may be. Well with thee, and thou mayest live long. Right, that thou mayest live long upon the earth. Amen. May the Lord bless his word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this beautiful Lord's Day, this beautiful afternoon. Thank you, Lord, for the gladness and joy in our hearts today because we know we are your children and we have salvation. And also we can rejoice because uh, most of us here, we have... Uh, our uh, wonderful mothers today here with us. Thank you, Lord, for their lives. Thank you, Lord, that truly they are doing the most important job in the world in raising young lives, young soul, for your honor and for your glory. And we know, Lord, they are never perfect, just forgiven sinners like us. But we thank you, Lord, for the wonderful role and privilege and opportunity they have in our homes we love them so much. We treasure them. We cherish them. We pray for your blessings upon them, not just this day, 
but every day of their lives, that truly, Lord, as they walk with you and trust you in all things, that surely goodness and mercy will follow all the days of their lives, Lord. So we rejoice, Lord, for um, uh, your love toward them. And I pray, Father, that today they might feel uh, special and loved and cherished and treasured and that we will continue to give them our utmost respect and honor and assist them and love them in a special way and bless this message to our hearts today in jesus name we pray amen you may all be seated thank you so much thank you so much uh, thank god for the meal that we had for lunch seems like we always see it every week because we support you know our <laughs> neighboring restaurants here it's like uh, I've been eating Chinese food for a couple of days, even last night. So I, I'd skip it a while ago because I know there's something more sumptuous prepared for us after. Because our fellowship committee just, you know, uh, wow, prepared something. So this will make your uh, red blood cells more, you know, because it's going to be meaty. All right? So just to wake us up a little bit if you're kind of sleepy because it's like an un unholy hour. And, and our AC is blowing right now, and you're in your comfortable seat. And I don't know if you had your coffee or anything. So we'll have a little Bible trivia about mothers, all right? And I don't know about the program later. I hope I won't but pardon me, forgive me, all right? First is uh, her name means living. And she's the mother of us all, all right? All right, that's very easy. Then it's Eve, and she was taken from the sides of the man. The first man, Adam, all right, and she was the mother of us all because there's only one race, the human race, amen? And uh, she's the one who also ate us out from the Garden of Eden. So just <clears throat> Anyway, next is uh, who is uh, the mother who uh, uh, is the mother who repopulated the earth? Who, uh, <laughs> it's supposed to be a joke. Yes, it's Mrs. Noah, because uh, Mrs. Grace, actually, because the Bible says Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord, you know? How come her first name was not mentioned, isn't it? Don't you know that the rest of the world, after uh, the humans were, you know, um, judged by God because of its sin, the whole world was replenished through the sons of Mrs. Grace, isn't it? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So we can say that we all came from a gardener, and a sailor. Amen? Adam the gardener and Noah a sailor. Alright, so after that, who was that mother who left? Of the promised son, even though she was old and she's past the bearing age. Alright, Sarai or Sarah, alright? The wife of Abraham. Of course, they, she, she had um, her daughter-in-law, Rebecca, and then Rebecca had Leah and Rachel and the handmaids isn't it? Handmaiden that bear the 12 sons of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel. And who is this? Uh, wow. Fearless midwives in the time of Moses who did not took heed of the Pharaoh's command to kill every male Jewish child that was born. Because they fear God, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 1. Yeah, they are not mentioned all the time, but they are Egyptian midwives. And they saw the sacredness of life that did not obey the king's Pharaoh's command. And because of that, God blessed them. They had the fear of the Lord. Do you know, remember their name? There we go. Shipra and Pua. All right. 
So have you heard somebody, their name is like that? Shipra and Pua, all right? So, wow, good mothers, isn't it? I believe they are mothers themselves, and they had the fear of the Lord, and they obey God rather than men. Amen? So who is this uh, uh, mom who puts her baby in a basket to save him? All right, Jochebed. You're right, in Exodus chapter 2. All right, who is this woman or this mother who prayed for a baby while he visited a temple? Hannah, happy Hannah, all right? She also gave her son, you know, a coat every year, all right? Visiting him in the temple, all right? She uh, called herself the mother of Israel. Who is this mother? She called herself the mother of Israel. That kind of hard, no? no? It's one of the judges. There you go, the only woman <laughs> mentioned. Deborah. Or Deborah, all right? In Genesis chapter 35, she called herself the mother of Israel. And the one that she helped because they don't want to stand up as a man was Barack. Oh, not Barack Obama, but Barack, all right? So you're good, you're good. Who is this? Um, uh, let's, let's talk about some disgraceful mom in the Bible, you know? There you go, Jezebel. Yeah, we know. It's already a given. All right. This is in the New Testament. This is an evil mother who taught her daughter to dance seductively and asked for John the Baptist's head for a price. Remember? In Matthew 14, 6. There you go. That's right. Herodias. Huh? Not a good example, isn't it? Um, who is this? Uh, actually, they, they don't have names. But in 1 Kings 3, 16 to 28, there were two women during the times of Solomon who had a child in the same house. One was born after three days, but one died because uh, it was smothered. And then the other one claimed that the son was his, was hers. So Solomon, who was given by God wisdom, was asked to judge. And you remember the story? She, what Solomon did, he said, give me a sword. And let's cut the baby in half. And what happened? The other one said, yeah, cut it. But the other one who was truly the mother. No, just give it to her. Because, you see, a real mother's heart care for a child. So, wow, but that was a good wisdom, isn't it? From Solomon's part. So, you know, that's a disgraceful mother, the one that said, yeah. Just, you know, do that, you know. Of course, uh, we know Bathsheba, you know. Uh, uh, fell into sin and everything, but uh, God's redemption is still there. Amen? Amen. After the baby died, God gave them another child, and it became, you know, Solomon, and the lineage of our Messiah continue on. All right, who is this um, mother who uh, met the kinsman redeemer? Who was her mother-in-law? Naomi. Naomi. All right, we remember those wonderful words in the book of Ruth. That Ruth, who is a Moabite, a Gentile, embraced the one true God of Naomi. And she said, your God will be my God, isn't it? Your people will be my people. And, all right, let me see here. Who was Joseph's mother? Joseph the dreamer. Joseph the dreamer. Rachel, there you go. All right. 
Jacob's first love. All right? Then last, don't you know, in Deuteronomy 22.6, this is how precious our mothers are. Even in the, the law with animals, this is being said that the law says, what will you do when you find a bird on its nest? On a pathway or you stumble to a nest? You know? Don't you know? <laughs> Don't you know by the law, it says, you let the mother go free. You can take the nest, eggs, or even the young ones. But the mother will always have to go free. So that's the law. You know, you cannot get the mother. So, well, I never know, known that. So, because the mother can reproduce again, isn't it? <laughs> Lay eggs and have a family. So they protect the mothers, all right? So, wow, so good, good job, all right? So today uh, we're going to study about a mother in the Bible that's uh, a great mother. We consider a lot of uh, these Old Testament mothers great mothers, you know, especially uh, those who walk in faith. And also in the New Testament, of course, Elizabeth is a great mother of uh, John the Baptist, you know, and also Mary, uh, the earthly mother of Jesus. Oh, who was that mother uh, who protected uh, her two children after they've been slain, not having the vultures come in and jack? And she's also the mother of a handicapped person named Mephibosheth. All right. Yeah. And she stayed from... Uh, a lot of months protecting her children from being, you know, um, devoured by those vultures. And yes, I heard the name, Rispa. Yeah, her devotion, determination was really great in protecting her children. All right, so today we're going to study uh, a mother in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. She doesn't have a specific name. But she's one of the person in the Bible that Jesus says that she had great faith. All right? So, Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 to 28. All right? I'll read it. Just uh, follow me. And in our men's Sunday school, we talk about these places too. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan. There you go. A woman of Canaan. And she's a mother came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cried after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost ship of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread. And to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs, take note, eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Amen? What a story of a mother who was concerned for her child. You know, one of the most difficult sermons as a pastor to preach is a Mother's Day sermon, actually. Yeah, it's the same reason you spend a great deal of time trying to uh, go to the Hallmark card greeting section of Walmart or wherever you shop for a good 
you know, Mother's Day card, to find the perfect card that will convey how deeply you feel about your mother. Sometimes it's stressful. It's so hard to get that. Same thing sometimes for preachers to, to look for a good Mother's Day sermon. But you know what? History, historically speaking, we thank God for this mother. Her name is Anna Jarvis, if you remember. She spent 40 years developing the concept of honoring mothers during this special day. He drived to create a holiday that reached its fulfillment in 1914 when presidential proclamation by Woodrow Wilson officially started the celebration of Mother's Day here in America. Actually, May 9, 1914. So thank God for Anna Jarvis. Amen? Anna had some fears, and all of them were well-founded. She was afraid that her effort to honor mothers would be exploited by the florist industry, and they have, amen? By the greeting card industry, and they have. The restaurant industry, and they have. And the telephone industry, and they have. However, we accept all this exploitation because we want to use flowers, amen? Greeting cards, restaurant, and maybe communication like telephone and every other way to know how to convey how we feel about our mothers. We are uh, owing a debt of gratitude to Anna Jarvis who came up with that idea of Mother's Day. We honor our mothers in two ways, isn't it? We honor our mothers today. Some are honoring their mothers today to honor their memory of their mother who has gone to be with the Lord. Isn't it? That's why they are going to wear or have a, a white rose or white carnation as a symbol of honoring the memory of their precious mother who has gone to be with the Lord. And I could be in that same boat also. I could relate to that. But thanks be to God if we have a Christian mother. Amen? A mother who knows the Lord, we know even though we miss them physically right now, but their memories will always live in our hearts. And uh, their, their, their uh, examples, their teachings will always be in our hearts, in our lives. Because that's the best thing a person could ever have in this world, a personal relationship with the Lord. You know, today, probably, if you don't have your mothers with you, you remember all the good things. Your loving mother thought to you as a child. Or even if they're not here, but they are far away, they're still living. You always cherish and remember the good things that they taught to you as a child. I read about some things, you know, uh, and somebody made this compilation, compilation. I read about some things you would never hear a mother say to her child. Such as, how on earth can you see the TV sitting so far back? Right? And how about this? Yeah, I used to skip school a lot too. And you hear that, your mother? Or you, you hear this, just leave all the lights on. It makes the house look more cheery. Bawal yan sa mga Ilocano, amen? Alright? Turn it off. Turn the lights on. Let's save some electricity. Amen? Yes, it makes sense. A lot of things are expensive right now. Things that we can save, let's save. Amen? Or will you hear them say, let me smell that shirt? Nah, it's good for another week. <laughs> no, you won't hear them say that. Or you'll hear them say, go ahead and keep that stray dog, honey. I'll be glad to feed that dog and walk him every day. 
No, you won't hear them say that. Well, if it is Timmy's mom that says it's okay, that's good enough for me. No, you won't hear that. Or you might not, you will never hear them say the curfew is just a general time to shoot for. It's not like I'm running a prison around here. All right? Or I don't have a tissue with me. Just use your sleeve. All right? They'll find a way to get something for you, isn't it? So they do that because they know that their children are precious to them. And many have come to honor the memory of a loving mother who always look out for their best interests. But some are here also to honor their mothers who are still living. Amen? Who are still living. So a lot of people will wear uh, a red rose or a red carnation. I think I have a picture because I don't see a red one here. It's all white. All right, there you go. It's beautiful, no? Ganda kahit picture lang. Kahit dito to. All right, so if here in America, if you wear a red rose, you're given a red rose or a red carnation. It's a symbol that your mother is still living. So it means today you have a chance to look her in, in her beautiful eyes and say, Mom, I love you. You are the greatest, isn't it? You can put your arms around her and give her a big squeeze, a big hug, and tell her that you love her. Give her a Mother's Day card expressing how you feel for her. Maybe take her out for lunch or dinner and let her know how much you love her. Amen? Because you know what? You cannot be willfully wrong with your mother and be right with God. You cannot be willfully wrong with your mother and be right with God. Regardless, amen, of what happened in the past, in the present, God commands us in the scripture, in the Bible, to honor our mothers. Our birth mothers, our biological mothers, our uh, mothers, second mothers, amen? Our adopted mothers, because God's word said so. It's the right thing to do. Because you cannot be, once again, be willfully wrong with your mother and be right with God. So how do we love our mothers? Quickly. Seven ways you can love them. Love them verbally, amen? Say, I love you while you still can. Amen, kids? Amen, young people? It's not just... During her birthday, oh Mother's Day, we say, I love you, I, I truly appreciate you. Just do it uh, more often, amen? Because they need those kind of good words in sincerity. Isn't it? We say, I love you, mom. I truly appreciate what you do for us. You know, somebody says, what's another name for mother? Now, some of them uh, gave this uh, synonymous word about mother. Somebody says that mothers are... Why, of course, a wife, a homemaker. They said they're a teacher. They're the maid, cook, lover, referee, rescue squad, tutor, psychiatrist, taxi driver. An example. All put together spells mother. Wow, so many things they have to do, isn't it? And, uh, and they do more than that in, uh, in our homes, in our, uh, in our lives. And, you know, this... Woman, her name is Susanna Wesley. She had a lot of kids, you know, and uh, she has 19 children, actually. And she's one of, one of the greatest mothers because she gave birth to Charles and John Wesley, who are great composers and uh, the founder of the Methodist Church, I believe. She was devoted to the task of raising 19 kids, and she had 16 rules for them. To follow. I'm not going to read you all of them, but uh, the 16th one, by the grace of God, she taught them 
to fear the Lord. Alright? So, uh, she also exercised tough love for them. You know? Tough love. Discipline. Alright? So, somebody wrote this. We had the meanest mother in the whole world. Talking about tough love. They, sa they said, while others, other kids ate candy for breakfast, we have to have cereal, eggs, and toast. Mom is mean. When others had Pepsi and a Twinkie for lunch, we have to eat our sandwiches. And you can guess our mother fixed us a dinner that was different from what other kids had too. Mother insisted on knowing where we were at all times. You think we were convicts in a prison? She had to know who our friends are and what we are doing with them. Amen? She insisted that if we said we could be gone for an hour, we could be gone for only an hour or less. We are ashamed to admit it, but she had the nerve to break the child labor laws by making us work. We had to wash the dishes, make the beds, learn to cook, vacuum the floor, do laundry, and all sorts of cruel jobs. I think she would lie awake at night thinking of more things for us to do. She's mean. She always insisted on us telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. By the time we were teenagers, she could read our minds. Then life was really tough. Mother would not let our friends just honk the horn when they drove up. They had to come up to the door so she could meet them. Amen? Our young ones here who are driving now. Oh. While everyone else could date when they were 12 or 13, I even heard when they were in elementary, they were already dating, 4th, 5th grade, nowadays, isn't it? We had to wait until we were, there you go, depend on the man, uh, ladies, uh, parents' conviction, amen? Some are like 30, 24 after college. Or, because our mother, we miss out on lots of things other kids experience. Because she's strict, she disciplined us. She taught us the word of God. None of us have ever been shoplifting, vandalizing others' property, or even arrested for any crime, and it's all her fault. Now that we have left home, we are all God-fearing, educated, honest adults. We're doing our best to be mean parents, just like our mom is. <laughs> hey, maybe that's what's wrong with the world today. It, doesn't, it just doesn't have enough mean moms anymore. Good, isn't it? <laughs> no, mean but loving. Amen? So, some of us who are here to honor our mothers who are still living, let's do it while we still have the chance. Isn't it? Because you don't know. Maybe, God forbid, next year, we could be among those who are honoring our mothers in memory. Isn't it? Our mothers have taught us so many things. Did you know they said that 80% of what the child learns, they learn before they are five years old? Wow, we have a tough job, huh, honey, before those two turn five. All right? Um, I read the other day about a man that made this compilation about what he learned from uh, his mother. He said, maybe you've heard this before. My mother taught me logic. She said, if you fall off that swing and break your neck, you can go to the store with me. Logically, yeah. My mother taught me medicine. She said, if you don't stop crossing your eyes, they're going to freeze that way. Is that true? Yeah, yeah isn't it? Yeah. All right. My mother taught me ESP. 
He said, put your sweater on. Don't you think that I know when you're cold? Hmm, makes sense. My mother taught me to meet a challenge. She said, what were you thinking? Answer me when I talk to you. Or don't talk back to me. <laughs> That's a challenge. All right. My mother taught me humor. She said, when that lawn mower cuts your toes, don't come running to me. Hope it doesn't happen, all right? My mother taught me how to become an adult. She said, if you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up, all right? My mother taught me about genetics. She said that I am bad because I got it from your dad. <laughs> you got it from your father. You're just bad like your father. Wow, what genetics. My mother taught me about roots. Do you think you were born in a barn? <laughs> Acting like an animal, all right? My mother taught me about wisdom of age. She said, when you get to be my age, you will understand. Yeah. My mother taught me about anticipation. She said, just wait until your father gets home. My mother taught me about receiving. You're going to receive it when we get home. All right? And my mother taught me justice. I like this. One day, you will have kids. And I hope they turn out just like you. <laughs> then you'll see what it's like then you'll see what it's like oh man i hope we will not say that to our kids but let's get a little bit serious and we know motherhood is a serious thing isn't it it's now a lot of mothers they think it's a a burden to be a mother and because it's so hard to raise a child nowadays but you know what the bible says is always a blessing isn't it because the bible says in psalms 127 except the lord build the house they labor in vain that build it. And in verse 3, Lord, children are an heritage of the Lord. Actually, if the Lord opened your womb and allow you to raise a child, it's a blessing, isn't it? Because in the Old Testament economy, if you are barren, it seems like you are cursed, isn't it? So it's a blessing to be given that privilege to bear a child and to raise them up, especially in the ways of the Lord. When asked of the greatest need in France, Napoleon Bonaparte responded emphatically, and she said, mothers. That's what we need in France, good mothers. And I believe that's one of the greatest needs in America today, is for good, godly mothers, and I could say grandmothers. Amen? Amen. That's why Titus chapter 2, verse 1 to 5 there, you know, it's, it's, you know, we were given in the church or in our family, these teachers of the truth, pastors, elders, and also, you know, take note, it was given to us that age woman or older woman teach good things to younger women. So if you're an older woman here, regardless of your age, you know, you have the wonderful privilege and responsibility to teach younger women of the ways of God. Amen? And thank God we have wonderful age not ancient, age woman, elder woman in our church, amen, where we can draw good counsel and advice, amen, because they had experienced a lot of things in their lives, and they've proven the principles of God's word, and we are wise to take heed of what they would say to us, their advice, all right? Someone said, you know, you've turned into a mom when you automatically double not Double not everything you tie. Is that right? Huh? Uh, you, you know you're a mom 
when you find yourself humming the Barney song as you do the dishes or the Batibot song huh? for uh, those who grew up in the Philippines here. Or now, nowadays, Miss Rachel's song or Paisley's Corner song. You know, you become a mom. Or you know you're a mom if you hear a baby cry in the grocery store and you start to gently sway back and forth even though if your children are already in school, all right? And you whip through the scene in Dumbo when his mom is taken away. How much more when you mention Bambi <laughs> when he was take, she was taken away, all right? going to be more drama, isn't it? Because now you're emotional. You spend half an hour searching for your sunglasses, you know, your mom, only to find out that your teenager said, Mom, you put it, uh, uh, on, on, on your head there, you know? You wear once that you push up on your head. Now you know you're really a mom. You're out of a nice romantic meal with your husband, enjoying some real adult conversation, when suddenly you realize that you've reached over and start to cut up his steak. You're really a mom, always there to assist and help, all right? Today, I'd like to preach for a few minutes about this great mom in our scripture that we read in Matthew 15, verse 21 to 28. Let's take a few minutes and see what the scripture says about this Canaanite mother. First, we know she had a problem, all right? We read in verse 21 that when Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon, do you know what the Lord Jesus Christ found in Tyre and Sidon? He found the same thing he found everywhere he went. He found people with problems. Especially this one, a mother with some serious problems. And sometimes we see our mother's woman's problem. I, I don't have to tell you if you go to a phone book, which we don't really use right now, and call a random person, they will share a problem or two with you. But in our social media, isn't it? Sometimes women or mothers rant about their problem. And you see a thread <laughs> of comments about what their problem about. It could be uh, something political, something in the family or this. You know, uh, you always found problem, you know, in our lives. A mother that had three children gave her a lot of problems. She was asked, if you had to do it all over again, would you still want children? The mother replied, yes, I'll still have children, but not the same ones that I have right now. I hope that won't be mentioned with us, all right? But mothers are very special people in our lives, isn't it? They are very special people in our lives. Um, there's a story here of a junior high science teacher who lectured on the properties of magnets for an entire class. The next day, he gave his students a quiz. The first question read like this. My name begins with an M. It has six letters, and it picks up things. What am I? So half of the class wrote mother. You know, even their subject is magnet, all right? Because they know, they know mothers care for them, all right? They pick up after them. But kids live to know, isn't it? To pick up after themselves, isn't it? Clean up after themselves. Also, the story about how special our mother is, actually, another humor, uh, funny story of a father. Uh, who was trying to explain the concept of marriage to his four-year-old daughter. And now we have to explain from the Word of God the principle about the truth, the concept of marriage. Amen? Because we live in a day and age of 
confusion. That marriage, biblically speaking, traditionally speaking, is between a man and a woman. Amen? That defines real marriage. When a man and a woman fall in love and get married and start a family. You know, that's the way it's supposed to be. And we live in a day and age when everything is redefined according to what we feel what is good. But when, we, when, when man tries to do what is good according to his own eyes, to according to his corrupt thinking, because we are depraved because of sin, isn't it? Most of the time, what is right in our own eyes, it's wrong in God's eyes. That's why man's pattern of belief and behavior and conviction is supposed to be through the Word of God. Because it is the absolute authority, absolute truth. Amen? If man will depart from absolute truth, it will cause confusion and chaos. And we know what's happening nowadays, isn't it? You're not really a woman. You're not really a man. You know? You can have all these other things. So that's what we're dealing with right now. So this father was telling this four-year-old, this is how we got married, we started a family. So he got out their wedding album, thinking visual images would help and explain the entire wedding service to her four-year-old child. When he was finished, he asked if she had any questions. So this four-year-old child pointed to a picture of the wedding party and asked, Daddy, is that when mommy came to work for us? Wow. Because mommy, mother always help out, work, hard worker, isn't it? Pick things up, all right? Hmm. It's funny, but yeah. Thank God for our mothers who have a heart to care. Amen? Uh, have you heard about the story about a woman who telephoned a friend and asked how he was feeling, how she was feeling? She said, terrible, came over the reply, over the line. She said, my head's splitting, my back and legs are killing me, the house is a mess, and the children are simply driving me crazy. Very sympathet sympathetically, the caller said, listen, go lie down. I'll come over right away and cook and clean up for you while you get some rest. By the way, how is your husband, Sam? The complaining housewife gasped, I do not have a husband named Sam. Oh, my heavens, exclaimed the first woman. I must have dialed the wrong number. And there was a long pause. And the mother said, are you still coming over? <laughs> and cook and clean up for me? <laughs> if you have a friend who will do that, you're blessed. Amen? All right? So, yes, in any city or at any house, there are troubled mothers. So the lady in our text was no exemption. She had severe problems. What was her problem? Her daughter was grievously vexed with the devil. Notice, this mother knew exactly what was wrong with her child. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And you are a smart mother on this world if you recognize two things, according to this passage of scripture, that there is a devil, amen? And he's out there to destroy our children every day. There is not a mother here, if she knew that there was someone who was out to destroy her children, would do everything she can keep, she can do to keep that from happening. That's why mothers pray for their children. Amen? Mothers ought to bring their children to church so they could hear the word of God. Mothers are supposed to, you know, teach their children and admonish them, remind them of the things that the word of God says. You know, it's not just about, yeah, having a good life, 
having beauty, brains and body, you know, that's what important. But what's important is our, you know, character, behavior. Because as Proverbs 31.30 says, charm or favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Amen? That's a great passage of scripture for all women of all ages of all times to practice. Amen? A virtuous woman. Because everything else will pass away, but our character, what we do for the Lord, will never pass away. It will be rewarded. You know, 1 Peter 5, 8 states, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking who may devour. The devil is attacking our children today as a precious lion, isn't it? What are the attacks? Vain philosophy, isn't it? Uh, worldliness, vanity, you know, um, just do what feels good or, uh, you know, because you only live once, you know. So materialism, worldliness are being emphasized right now, especially the, the more on the outward, isn't it? Appearance. But the Lord wants our children's heart, amen, to give it to God, to have a good character, to have a good sense of obeying the Lord. The people who run around saying, I do not believe there is a devil, are, be, are believing exactly what the devil wants them to believe. Satan doesn't want anyone to realize he's the one responsible for many of the evils in this world. But the dear mother of our text had a problem that she knew that the devil was out to destroy her daughter. So secondly, not only she had a problem, but she had a plan. Thank God she had a plan. We have many mothers today Sadly, who do not know what to do with their problems. It is sad to say that today, many mothers plan when they have a problem is first head to the medicine cabinet for some medication. If you have a problem or a pain, there's a pill for that. Seems like there's a pill for everything now, isn't it? That's the first response or first thing to do. So... What do they do? The others, they head to the house of her best friend, who has also problems herself, that does not know how to solve her own problems. Or head, sad to say, to the liquor store, or get some drugs to feel some temporary peace, or to ease the pain, all right? But if you're a Christian mother, a Christian woman, when we have a problem, our first impulse or response is to go to the Lord, amen? That should be your plan. Amen? Go to the Lord. Because in this passage of scripture, we see that this woman really went to seek Christ. To seek Christ and his advice to her. So, uh, this woman is not really worried. Even though, in the first instance, Christ was silent to her request. You see that? But he was persistent. He was still full of faith. He was still full of anticipation that the Lord will hear her. She was not really worried at all. You know, speaking about worry, there is one mother who told her son one day, you're about to worry me to death. Look at all the gray hairs I'm getting. Every one of them is because of you. And the little boy asked, told his mother, Mom, I know I have worried you, but I have not worried you as much as you worried your mother. 
The mother said, what do you mean? He said, he's a little boy, Mom, grandmother's hair is completely gray. You must be in a holy terror when you were a child. <laughs> what an excuse, all right? Seriously, we are paying a dear price today because we have sadly mothers who have problems and they have no plan or no concrete plan to solve their problems. But look at verse 22. Behold, the woman of Canaan came out of the same coast, and what did she do? Cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. This little mother knew how to come to the Lord. First, she came with tears, isn't it? She came with tears. It reminds me of Jeremiah 33.3. Do you know that verse about the prayer? So what's God's number? They said it's 33.3. All right? Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee with great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I tell me, I, I tell you, children, you are so blessed here if you have a mother who knows how to pray. If you have a mother who knows how to shed a tear for your behalf. This child of this Canaanite mother was blessed because she has a mother that loved her enough to shed some tears over her. The Bible said she cried unto him. Her tears were not Hollywood tears, fake tears. They were real tears. Children today, we are very blessed if you happen to have an old-fashioned mother who loves you enough to shed tears for, me, for you. You are a blessed child. Amen? And sometimes our mother have tears, isn't it? In prayer. And they have tears because probably tears of rejoicing or is it tears of being hurt? They're hurting in our behalf, isn't it? Why? When mothers tear up for their child, it is an evidence, great evidence, that she cares for you and me. All right? Like this Kenyanite woman. She came with tears. Secondly, she came in humility. He said, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. She knew that everything we get from the Lord is because of his mercy, not because we deserve anything. Amen? We don't deserve anything good. We deserve the worst because of our sin. But because of His mercy, we have what we have today. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. We know this verse of Scripture is the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Amen? Is the Lord's mercy we are not consumed. Isn't it? We fail God most of the time. We sin hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times in our lifetime. But because of God's mercy, when we ask for, for forgiveness, we are not consumed. We are still here. She did not come, this Canaanite woman, saying, Lord, I deserve your assistance. This is the least you can do for me. Heal my, my daughter. You know, she did not say, I went to church last week and you owe me. I tied last week and you owe me. I read my Bible and prayed last week, and you owe me. Can I say something as nice as I know how God does not owe us anything? Not anything. Amen? This Canaanite woman, she did not come telling the Lord she deserves herself. Why? Because she knew for the fact that she did not deserve it. She did not deserve it. And sad to say, a great number of people will stop much of their sinning nowadays, and they feel that because they stop, God owes them something. 
Well, you ought to stop sinning because it have consequences in your life. You know, the blessings of God will not be with you if you're living in sin. God has to punish that sin. But sometimes we, people feel like if they stop sinning, God owes them something. No. We all need to realize that we have sinned against God many, many times. And the least that we deserve is His mercy. But this little mother in this example, in this passage, came to the Lord and pleaded for Him to have mercy on her. And she got mercy. So, next thing that we see, that this uh, mother had a provider. She had a provider. She not only had a problem, a plan, but a provider. Notice as she came to the Lord, there were at least three things she had to overcome. First, she had to overcome Christ's silence. Remember? If you look at that passage in verse 23, while she's crying in tears, she humbled herself before the Lord, asking for his help for, uh, his for her daughter. Is, we read that he answered her not a word. Maybe that's frustrating, isn't it? We all know those times when it seems God has become silent in our lives. We are tempted to ask, where are you, God? You're not answering my prayer. I don't see any response from you. And we know three ways God could answer our prayer. By yes, by no, or by wait. When wait it is the answer, it means he is silent. All right? He did not say a word to this little mother. She was probably thinking he could at least say something. So quickly, let me say, state five things you need to do when God is silent. When we pray. We know God answers prayer, amen? But sometimes God is silent, all right? What is the best illustration example? Let's look at the life of Job quickly. You know, the story of a man named Job who was well acquainted with God's silence and will be done with this message. You know, for 37 chapters of the book of Job, his cries for God's help and relief are met only by God's silence. And we know the story, isn't it, of Job? He's a man who lost everything he had in one day. Lost his possession, lost his children, lost even his health, isn't it? You know, he is a man who bore boils, you know, pizza, from the sole of his foot to the top of his head, all right? Because of this testing that he's receiving from God. So what's the application here? As Christians, we are not always going to hear God's voice, but from Job we can learn a few practical things to do when God seems silent. First, we need to examine our life, isn't it? Begin by asking yourself, is there any unconfessed sin in my life? Why? Because we know from Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Make sure nothing is blocking you from being able to hear God's voice. Sin always is a hindrance, obstacle to communicating with God. If God brings you to your attention, there is sin, then you need to ask for His forgiveness. Amen? Second thing, accept God's authority. Accept God's authority when God is silent. Recognize that God can be silent. There is no obligation for God to answer you, inform you, or let you know anything. He is able to do as He pleases, always, everywhere, forever. You know why? Because He's God. He is sovereign. He has the prerogatives. Amen? Like us, Job faced the choice of acknowledging 
or rejecting the authority of God. In response to his suffering and loss, Job's wife suggested that he curse God and die, remember? Curse God and die. But instead of following her advice, oh, he's one of a disgraceful mother too, all right? In the Old Testament. Job chose to let God be God, despite of her wife's advice. So what we read in Job 13, 15, look at that faith, amen, of Job. Because he knew who God is. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. Wow. Though he slay me. Because he knew, naked I am, that came out from my mother's womb, and naked will I return. The, the Lord give it and the Lord take it away, isn't it? I came from dust, I will return to dust. Job realized that everything he had comes from God. So if God takes everything, it's okay with him. Wow. He's really a just and an upright man. Thirdly, listen to what God is saying. When God is silent, accept his authority. Ask forgiveness to an unconfessed sin. Listen to what God is saying. Although God may seem silent regarding a specific Request or petition, remember that he is in a constant, constant state of communication with us. In fact, it is possible that you already have an answer from God. You can always find it in his word. Amen? The Bible is full of specific answers about what is right and wrong. It's already there. The perfect general will of God in our lives. We have already the information about God's character and his intention for us as his children and his followers. We just need to read it, dig upon it, and apply it. Because his written communication to us is readily available to say and to find out what he has to say about our problems that we are facing or the questions you are asking. Just read his word. Amen? Fourthly, recognize that silence can be intimate. Silence can also be a sign of God's trust in you. Wow. Silence can be a sign of God's trust in you. I know um, there's a story here, just a quick illustration. The story in the Gospel of John, in John eleven six 6, about one of Jesus' friends, I think one of his best friends, named Lazarus. Isn't it? Remember the story? Who has siblings named Mary and Martha? And Jesus always hang out with his uh, siblings in Bethany. When Jesus found out Lazarus was ill, brother then rushed to Lazarus' house to heal him. What would he do? He stayed where he was for two more days in John eleven six. And Jesus, when he arrived in Bethany, we know that Lazarus died. And what happened? To Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, Jesus' silence could have been interpreted as neglect. I thought, we are his friends. How come he healed other people, and if he knew he heard that Lazarus is sick, how come he did not come to our aid, our aid and heal him? But you know, a lot of people are blaming Jesus. If you've been here, or even the siblings, like Martha, if you've been here, you are four days too late now, Jesus. But we know Christ has always perfect timing. For men, he's four days late, but in Jesus' time, he's on time. Amen? Because he has to do something here. Something great. Something miraculous. Because we see the restoration of the life of Lazarus. And we know the end result is many Jews believe on Jesus as the Messiah. You see, Christ is never late. Christ in his silence has a greater, you know, 
thing to reveal to us. That's why I like what I think I have that Oswald Chambers saying. All right, he said, when you cannot hear God, you will find that he has trusted you in the most intimate way possible. With absolute silence, not a silence of despair, but one of pleasure, because he saw that you could withstand an even bigger revelation. Wow, if you have faith in God, isn't it? Maybe he's silent because he has something greater in store for you, a bigger revelation, like what had happened in the life of Lazarus and the rich man. So, thank God, this woman, you know, had a plan, who was persistent in her prayer, and she asked Jesus for help. In love, silence can be a sign of testimony. For, for Job, God's silence was also a result of the, of the depth of the relationship. When Satan approached God in Job 1.8, in the beginning of this story, the Lord said unto Satan, the Bible says, Has thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth? a perfect and an upright man, one that feared God and stripped evil. God chose Job because he trusted in him. So even he was silent for 37 chapters because he knew Job's character deep within. Isn't it? He knew that he could trust him. And Job knew that he could trust the Lord. Number five, lastly, keep talking to God. When God is silent, keep talking to him. Just because God seems silent doesn't mean you should doubt Him or stop praying. Amen? God's silence isn't a license for us to turn our backs to Him. Instead, it's an invitation to press forward and seek Him even more diligently. Amen? The psalmist modeled crying out to God in Psalms 22 verse 2, Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and I'm not silent. Job also continually cries out to God, asking him to answer, and God answered his prayer. Isn't it? God revealed him his will. And we know he had three friends that, you know, blame him for his suffering, isn't it? But Job trusts the Lord. So those are wonderful things to remember when God is silent in our prayers. So she had to overcome this Canaanite mother, the silence of the Lord. Also, she had to overcome the disciples' rudeness. Look at verse 23. His disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away. Send this Canaanite mother. Because, you know, she's bothering us. For she cried after us. So these disciples, if you notice, they are not only rude, isn't it? They were also egotistical morons, actually. Not one of the disciples was named Lord. Actually, the woman is not crying after the disciples. He's crying unto him, unto the Lord Jesus Christ, asking for her help. She had to overcome the disciples' rudeness. She has to overcome Christ's silence. Then she also had to overcome her ignorance. Look at verse 22. She said, O Lord, thou son of David. What can we learn from this? This woman had no claim on the Lord as son of David because when she addressed him that way, he answered not a word. Why? Because this little mother was a Syrophoenician woman. She was a mixture of several races. She was a true Gentile. At first, Christ did not answer, but look later, he said, he answered and said, I am not sent, but to the lost ship of the house of Israel. That is, Jesus came, first advent, fulfilling the prophecy as the king of the Jews. That's why her, 
his superscription when he was, you know, hanging on the cross in Golgotha in Matthew 27, verse 37. You know, we saw the superscription written and nailed to the cross over him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews, because he was first sent to the house of Israel. So Jesus wants, wanted to, to drive that stake in the ground that this Canaanite woman might know that he was the promised Messiah who would one day sit on the throne of David during the millennial. But look what they said next. But he answered and said, I am not sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not me to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. You see, the Jews considered the Gentiles as dogs. Which is what this mother was. A dog. She got the message. But look at her faith. She said, truth yet, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. It is as she more or less thought, okay, Lord, if you want me to be a dog, I'll accept it. Oof, oof. Art, art. In Tagalog. In kahol ng aso. But see, she said, even I am a Gentile, I can still pick up crumbs that fall from the master's table. You know, she was humbled enough and Jesus saw the love of this mother to her sick daughter, to her sick child. And her faith toward him that she's He's the only one that can heal him. That's why Jesus answered this wonderful verse of scripture. A woman, great is thy faith. Be unto thee even as thou wilt. And we see the answer to her prayers. Amen. And the daughter was made whole from that very hour. Do you want a blessing from the Lord this afternoon? Amen. Because this woman received one. Because she was, she know how to pray. She knows how to be persistent in her prayer. And probably you have a prayer, petition, mothers, for your family. I want to encourage you by the example of this Canaanite mother. Be persistent in your prayer. Because God placed this great mother in the scripture so we can learn from her. Amen? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father God in heaven, thank you Lord for this example of this, uh, we don't even know her name, but her experience was placed in the scripture of having this great faith toward thee. Thank you, Lord, for all our precious mothers in our room today, our precious mothers who have gone before us, who are now with the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for their example and their prayers and their legacy. And for, uh, for those who have their mothers living right now, Lord, Help them, Lord, to continue to honor and cherish them and make them always feel special, not just this very day, but for the rest of their lives. And may we give them, Lord, our uh, love and respect. And thank you, Lord, for using them as the instrument to bring us into this world. And we know, Lord, that uh, they need encouragement. As they do the demands of life. Uh, trying to balance everything, Lord, taking care of the family, uh, taking care of their husbands, and 
working also at the same time. But we know, Lord, that by your help and your grace, they will be able to do what they need to do, Lord, for the upliftment of our family. Most of all, Lord, strengthen them spiritually because the battles in this life are won through our knees, through our prayers, like this Canaanite woman, Lord, who seek out for your help. And thank you, Lord, that she was persistent for her prayers and our mothers have prayers in their life, in their heart right now. Lord, continue to, to listen to them as they pray in faith. And I, I pray, Lord, that you will answer it according to your perfect timing and your will. And bless the rest of our program this afternoon. And we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.